Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast in cyberspace. Hey, you know what? Um, I am happy to be here, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jen, Jennifer JP. I'll be your hostess, your groove mistress, and your spiritual advisor for tonight. And everything has been so much fun. And guess what? I now have hired a producer at last. Yes, thank you. Um, Her name is Megan Whitlock. A lot of people have talked to her lately. And because of her, you know, I had, I had uh, done fewer shows the last few months because I was dealing with some uh, legal matters for my mother's estate and different things like that, different boring things. And so she's taken over. So now we're going to get the schedule back on. Now, you know, recently we had Brandy Stillwell. Now, you may know some of her work. She's been in film, but she's also worked on shows like Mad TV, uh, Family Guy, American Dad. Uh, also live shows. She's with Second City, oh, excuse me, and the Groundlings. Also um, a live show called Hollywood Hell House that takes place at a, I think they said it was an abandoned uh, abandoned taco restaurant in between a strip club and a car wash somewhere in Los Angeles. Several celebrities take part in these, um, it's, it's like a Oh, whether they call those a haunted house or like a trip through hell or different things. So uh, anyway, Brandy's knew that she. The first time she was on, we were talking about her comic book. Uh, it's her first comic book for DC Comics called Sasquatch Detective. She created the character in the story, um, and this time she was on with her new book. None of this is going according to plan. I guess that's about life in Hollywood. And if you listen to it. Uh, you know, at one point, I just I just pushed the microphone away and laid my head down the desk so I could laugh. It's that funny. But um, that was fun. Oh, Mo, Mo from the band Mother's Finest, original and still guitar player for Mother's Finest, was on last week. He's out with his other project, Moses Mo and the Real Cool Band, on tour, and they have new music out. And coming soon, let me tell you who we have. He's been here before, but it's been a while, but he's out on tour with new stuff. You may you may know him mainly as a bassist with Todd Rundgren, Blue Oyster Cult, Don Felder, uh, with Joan Jett, but he's also a guitarist, plays several instruments, songwriter, performer, Chasm Sultan. Yes, Chasm Sultan. Just saw him a few months back on the last tour with Todd Rundgren, and he's on tour now with his solo material, which is outside. The stuff is is it's banging. He's going to be. Um, Several places in the northeast part of the U.S. in the next month, and then in Atlanta in February, and it just keeps on going. But Chasm Sultan will be here, I believe it's on February 22nd. No, February 22nd, he'll be in Atlanta, but I think it's uh, a couple of weeks before that. Also, 
some people ask me why we used to have a lot of NASA JPL experts on the show. Haven't had any lately, and uh, my guest tonight just reminded me as he was counting down the liftoff from the uh, intro of the show. Yeah, we haven't had any NASA people lately, and we need to, so we'll get that going on. Now, tonight's guest is an author, and, and he's also fascinating guy, very entertaining. It's a story called Wild Dogs, An Adventure in Adolescence. Um, now, if, if you check the book out, the, the blurb reads, The desire for power and respect can make you do crazy things, especially in high school. And after all, there's no greater reward than the attention of your peers. So this is a personal story that tells me became an urban legend. So I cannot wait to get started here. So please welcome tonight to Madame Perry Salon, Christos, come on in. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to have you here. Christos, go ahead and, and, and introduce us by your whole name so that I won't get it tangled up with my um, southern accent. Christos Caligaru is what I've been telling people for years, and I'm probably saying it wrong myself. So, <laughs> Okay, Christos Caligaru. So welcome to Madame Perry Salon. Glad you're here. And um, let's just get right to it. Tell us about Wild Dogs and Adventure in Adolescence. Now, i got to tell you, my producer Megan and I thought, Wild Dogs, oh, it's an animal book. We can't wait. to we go, oh, it's an animal book of a different type of animal. So it's about animals, animals, all right. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I went to a, from uh, grades 9 to 12, with some hiccups in between. I was a co-ed boarding school, and I was – felt I was kind of not sent away, but my family wanted me to get a better education and that's the place that they picked. And it ended up being, um, you know, probably the most influential time in my life. And I carry with me um, even, you know, several years later. So. All right. So, uh, so you go there when you're what, nine years old or ninth grade? Oh no. Great. Ninth grade. So I would have been about, Ooh, I think 15. It was 14 or 15. 15, yeah. Okay. Any of your friends go there with you, or were you there just a complete yeah, stranger? Yeah, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a good friend of mine from my hometown whose family moved to St. Albert. And uh, our parents kind of decided, you know, like, it might be good for both of us, et cetera. It was predominantly at the time, and in a lot of ways still is, is uh, you know, orientated around uh, the sport of hockey. And I – not only did I not really play hockey, but I could barely skate. And now all of a sudden I'm in the school with some of the top players um, in all of the world for their age group. So it was quite an interesting dynamic and made some lifelong friends. And um, some went off and, and got um, scholarships or ended up going uh, to play, play professional hockey, be it um, domestically or, or abroad. And it was, it was an exciting place, an exciting time. I'll say so. Uh, so at least you had someone you knew with you. You weren't just going in as a maverick, totally. Uh, how about your friend? Did did he skate? Uh, ice skate or play hockey? He he definitely played hockey for sure, and then I mean other sports. And I mean I ended up playing a little bit of rugby or soccer or what have you. Um, playing, not playing well, 
uh, just to be clear, but predominant that they had most um, kids that went to school there um, were, were playing were playing sports, some type of a sport. A sport. So it was a, it was a predominantly a sports school, um, and we had a the the priest that started our school always talked about the mind, body, and the spirit. So he found sport very important, just as important as the classroom. And that dynamic really worked well together, and they carry on his legacy still. Um, the school has been around um, over 100 years now, and it's still very near and dear to my heart. And a lot of other people that I know either went to school there at the same time as me or before or after. Well, now, so going off to boarding school would seem like, um, you know, it, it, it could be fun because your parents aren't around to tell you what to do every night, but I guess somebody else is. Yeah, we, we, we definitely had some um, parent-like figures, but, I mean, kids are kids. They're going to get into mischief no matter what. Yeah, I looked at it in a lot of ways like, wow, I get to have a sleepover every night. And <laughs> a lot of these people became lifelong friends. And, you know, I, I did know somebody from my hometown before we went there, but we became friends with so many other people. We were all kind of in the same boat, you know, being away from your family. And it was a very experience for me. And I got to learn about other ways of doing things from either my peers or staff and students. And you, you, you pick what you kind of liked and you shape your own character around that. Um, certainly had some hiccups along the way as uh, people will read about, but in the end, I, that place is the reason I am where I am today and, and continue to grow with, um, you know, personal and other ventures. And I have a Notre Dame to thank for that, as I know many other people do as well. So then let's get to the heart of this story. You, the, uh, what I get, I mean, desire for power and respect, like you do crazy things, and apparently yours. Now, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm not going to be judging you here. I'm going to be feeling for you because I've done some practical jokes. I had a friend. We used to pull these things all the time. But the danger part and the reason we had stopped for a while is because they seem to take on a life of their own. Yeah, so I love and, that. I relate yeah. to that. <laughs> to the point where, I mean, even when we heard other people talk about it, we tried to tell them that it wasn't true, and they, oh, no, I know it's true. I know it's true. I've got proof. And they go, you don't have proof. You can't have proof. But so I'm, I'm really going to settle back and listen to what, somebody with youth and and nerve and ingenuity did because I was a, a, an alleged adult working in the in an office with my friend and I did this. So why don't you just lay the story on us, Christos? So my grade nine year, you know, you're, you're like a, you know, a new boy, we used to call it, but they don't have that system now, but you're in with a bunch of kids that have never been there before. And back then you had to, you know, you get got in where you fit in. And when I was back home, you know, you'd mouth somebody off or lift somebody off and you could run away, but you couldn't really do that at private school. And these weren't like, they weren't, you know, giving it to you, but, you know, they put you in your place if you deserved it. And slowly as I got older and I was in my grade 10 year, I, there were some kids that were older than me and how we used to do these things called like pizza runs, right? So there'd be two or two kids in a dorm and they'd say, okay, well, we're getting money together for everybody to get pizza, right? So you'd pay them like 10 bucks. The pizza was eight bucks. 
So they would have in the hopes at the end of the night when they were to put in the money for the pizza that they'd have enough money to get a free pizza for themselves. So when I got into the grade 10 dorm, I realized that they did this pizza run stuff with alcohol. And I had never really drank before. But I'm like, well, that sounds like some shit that I want to get into. So I became, um, I wouldn't really say friends with these guys, but they were older than me. They were, they were um, um, either grade, I think they were, yeah, they were in the grade 12 dorm. So our dorms were connected, but they were on the other wing. Um, and in, the, in my book, there's a map and it, it kind of explains if, if my um, words don't do it, you can actually kind of see what I'm talking about. And they told me, okay, well, if you get this many guys, we'll give you a free um, flask of, of vodka or boot Mickey's, we call them in Canada. So I said, yeah, shit, that's perfect. That's great. So I was doing this every Friday and Saturday. So I did that. I think I was drinking every weekend for, oh my God, I must have been from the, I would say like the second week into school of my grade tenure all the way up until like January. And I started spending some time with, uh, you know, a girl that I'd spoken about in my book. And she was just kind of like, hey, just promise me you're not going to like drink anymore. And I did. And I didn't touch it until uh, one more time. And that's all explained in my book. But when I went back in grade 11, I was on my own again, what have you, you know, idle hands gets you into trouble. And over the summer, I was corresponding with my brother quite a bit because we were working together about how much money these kids pay for alcohol. So we were like, Hey, let's take out the middleman. So he started sending me alcohol and I don't want to give too much of it away, but I started to become the distributor for alcohol to school. And like you said earlier, that a lot of these things have a mind of their own. This thing became a monster that I couldn't control. And I don't want to give the rest of it. That's, that's, that's the core of it. I I think that's the most I've given away on any podcast that I've done, but um, you kind of got me going there. So, Okay. Now, were there, um, yeah, okay, so without giving out too much, were there, uh, uh, talk about any uh, danger situations? Oh, yeah. There were, there were, there were times when I was very close to getting caught. Um, we never would sell the alcohol to kids in the grade nine dorm. Um they're just quite, you know, that age group is smaller. I mean, this is funny that I'm saying this is like, I'm in, you know, I'm in the 11th grade, like I'm talking like I'm a grown man, but to <laughs> someone in grade 11, someone in grade nine is quite small. And I mean, um, the dangers of alcohol poisoning or what have you. So we were pretty aware of the team that I had that we were distributing it about just to not give it to that group of, of individuals. And um, yeah, it was, it was a harmless until it wasn't. And mm-hmm. we got young kids here and it's like you let a bunch of orangutans out of a cage and then you give them alcohol. I just don't think that that's a good idea no matter where you are. So mm-hmm. I, I learned the hard way about, you know, paying the, the consequence. And I just wanted to turn those negative times into a, a positive message for uh, a lot of people. What kind of response have you gotten from readers about wild dogs? Well, you know, I, I, um, the, the name kind of makes people's eyebrows uh, wiggle or, or move up. That's for sure. Um, but it's been good. I mean, it's, I just wanted to write up to make some friends laugh and it's done drastically better than that. It, it hit the wall street journal in the USA today, which was something I never expected. And we're just kind of rolling with this. It's been, it's been a wild ride and 
um, besides the message of what I did and what I went through, all the proceeds of my book go to the Mandy Sports Foundation, which is something that I, I hold very dear to myself. And I want people to, to read about that and get involved if they can. And, you know, we're not asking people for money, but when you purchase my book, all of the proceeds go to Mandy's Foundation, and then they can get involved further from that if they'd like. And, yeah, you know, it's, life isn't fair sometimes, and certain people get the butt end of the stick, and other people are fortunate enough to get to learn from their mistakes and, and, and try to make a new and, and turn around and help people. And I'd like to think that that's um, all I can do with what I've been given and, and what, what we've published here. So that's that's pretty much it I think for for uh, for that yeah when um, when you were going to school did you um, I mean of course when we're when we're doing our our special um, projects that end up taking a life of their own you never think about you know uh, being outed or outing yourself but at any point in your life did you ever think about being a writer at all of other things or what were you, what were your plans to do with your life? Um, I always felt that Notre Dame was a story that needed to be told. We had had some uh, individuals, uh, Jack Gorman is one of them. And the other one is a collection of stories that these were printed many, many years ago. And it was just a version of our school that has, is now like outdated because it was so long ago. And, everything has just changed so much and there had never been like an updated version. And I wanted to tell a story that was told by me, but it's really everybody's stories. And it just touches the, it's the tip of the iceberg of like the funny, innocent fun that we had there and how it shapes you as a person. And I don't think I ever wanted to be a writer. I love to tell stories when I was younger or turn things into comedy to help me deal with things. Uh, that never did. I thought that I would, um, um, I'll publish something and I just always something that I had talked about about a year after I graduated and it just took about 16 years and just in August August 17th of uh, last year we we completed it so it's just it's just amazing still for me to look at and and think that so this is something that I did and and there's so many people that get to be a part of it that are so near and dear to myself so I, I certainly uh, we'll be writing another book um, kind of about what happened um, after I graduated. But I mean, that's not even, I haven't even put pen to paper with that yet. So this is, this is pretty much it for a while. Uh, how did you prepare your parents for this book? You know, if, if I would have published this maybe like five or six years ago, it would have been a completely different book. Um, but I think as you get older, uh, you mature more. And if you're going to, if you're going to make fun of anybody, you want to make fun of yourself. Um, to kind of show other readers out there that, you know, you're not alone. Everybody, everybody goes through stuff. It's kind of your perspective and how you deal with it. Um, I'm, I'm sure that they were nervous. I, I think probably a lot of it, they probably thought, yeah, sure. Like, and just kind of rolled their eyes, but I actually did it. And um, their response has been good and they, they enjoyed it. And I don't think they would tell me if they didn't, but um, <laughs> I've had some people reach out to me that I, I know uh, that are, you know, it's funny because you write a book and then, you want to, you want everybody to, um, you want to get everybody a copy. And I feel like a lot of people that I haven't heard from, it's not because they don't want to congratulate me, but they're like, Oh, I haven't read your book yet. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, it's, that doesn't really matter to me. It's like, you'll get to, you know, people get busy and they'll get to it when they get to it. And it's been nice to have these, you know, 
sporadic messages from people when I least expect it that say, Hey, just picked up your people. I haven't talked to in years. I picked up your book and I loved it. And I love what you're doing. And it just makes me so motivated and so happy that it's being received in that way. And yeah, I mean, it's my story. It's the truth. Whether people like it or not, it's what happened. I don't have anything to hide. Um, I think that everybody has a story to tell. It's how you tell it. And it's unfortunate that not enough people do. So I'm, I'm really glad that I had a, the, you know, Tucker and, and everybody at Scribe Media that helped this um, become a reality is just something that I'll never forget. Looking at some of the reviews um, on, on different sites, and I like how this, uh, there was one, uh, Grady Harp, who, of course, is one of the most popular uh, reviewers on Amazon. <laughs> like, Crystal's opens his refreshing book with a spot-on description of the campus of the College of Focus and then alerts the reader as to the content of his memoir in the prologue. And he has a quote, the day I got expelled from Athol Murray College of Notre Dame, which isn't really a college but a private school, like a prep school but without the uniforms, was the worst day of my life. I wasn't just leaving. (laughs) <laughs> I was leaving my life behind. Uh, and it goes by, you spent uh, years making a name for yourself until it caught up with you. Uh, all my friends, the daily laughs, the odd struggles were gone. I was out. And and here, and this is, this is the maturity speaking. I wanted to be angry at somebody, but I couldn't because there was no one to blame but myself. I created a shit storm, and now I was dry heaving in it. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. That's um, I think the best. I think the best of people write come right from the heart. You know, that I've heard that Billy Joel wrote "New York State of Mind" in under ten minutes, and that's probably one of the greatest songs ever, ever, ever made. No kidding. I think that's a lot of case with a lot that goes across a lot of different categories of what people do for occupations. If you have it in you, it just kind of flows out. I'm not saying I'm a writer. Uh, I guess I am now. But a lot of these things just I was never stuck on. They were very easy to, to, to write because it was the truth. Mm-hmm. So and I was still the worst day of my life. How did, yeah, pulling out the truth, I have a lot of people and um as a publicist myself, you know, I've had a lot of authors who say, Well, my book is fiction, but I do have some I did assign some traits or experiences to characters based on my own. Which made them, and that that's um, you know, it's like really letting somebody in into your home to look through your closet and all your your personal notes and your uh your browsing history and so forth. That's really opening up a lot. Is that difficult, or is it does it become less there, difficult there were with your parts, time between? There there were hmm. certain parts that were difficult because you don't want to offend anybody. Uh, however, a lot of times you have to. Tell the truth of what happened. And yeah, there were, there were some casualties, if you may, with some of the things that I did. It just wasn't about um, the position that I put it certain people in. It was, I had somebody very wise tell me way after I graduated, when you're, when you're a teenager, you think that the sun rises and sets around you. And uh, that always stuck with me and still does now. And I think that this is what this story is about is that if we all have done things that we wish we could take back but since you can't take them back how can you learn from them and how can you teach other people about them and that's 
really all I can do. I mean, if I had to go back now, um, even though it being the worst day of my life when I got expelled, if I could go back now and change what had happened, I probably wouldn't. Really? I don't think so. I don't think I would change mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. I was looking uh, at another uh, review on Goodreads where the woman says, oh, this story really made me homesick about this wonderful part of my life. Have you read this one? I'm sorry. It says, uh, while reading Wild Dogs, an Adventure in Adolescence by Christos <laughs> Calogero, I went on a roller coaster you of emotions. You nailed it. You nailed it. Stop it. <laughs> From laughter to small tears up to nostalgia. What's the best about this book is the fact that it deals with a true urban legend. I felt I identify with many moments and events in the narrative, not to mention the feelings I was able to have come alive again. I believe everybody can feel the same as me. High school could be a great time to remember, um, or the memories down, uh, or memories are buried deep down. And she said, um, it was a roller coaster of emotions from laughter to small tears up to nostalgia. And let's see, skipping further down, it says, everyone would enjoy this novel. I say this as a special something that caught my attention instantaneously. Oh, it has a special something. The language used has a lot to do with this because it leads the focus to the facts. And I should have got my readers for this. Um, Yeah, the, the language used has a lot to do with this because it leads the focus to the facts and events rather than to the understanding of difficult structures. Um, Yes, I think that a lot of people are affected by not just what's written, but how it's written. You know, I think they feel like how you shared and how you, you know, brought the moment back. Of course, you can't help but look at it from from the lens of now looking back. But, you know, you apparently people feel like you you took them back. It's almost like a time travel you took them in to sit and maybe be a participant observer or, or just an observer. Uh, there, you know, before I even before I even started writing my book, there were certain movies I had in mind, and that's Rob Reiner. So I thought about you know the first movie I ever watched that made me cry was Stand by Me, and uh, I you know that movie that movie jumped out of the screen and grabbed me and made me laugh and cry. And I was very young and I was starting to develop as a person and emotions and how you categorize them in your everyday life and how that movie touched me. So even many, many, many years ago, when I never even thought about writing anything, when I did actually start to write all of those things I grew up loving, um, Sandlot, Stand By Me, um, Stealing Home, Jodie Foster. These are, these are types of movies that, I was like, they really influenced the, my writing skill even probably have influenced other aspects of my life, but the writing and the descriptiveness and, and, and sticking to the point and kind of removing me, the, the writer from it uh, was so important for, to latch on to people like stand by me, latched on to me, uh, however many years ago. Well, I think obviously uh, from, from the reviews, you got there. You got there, Thank and that's got to be a good feeling. Appreciate that, and I appreciate everybody that's that's been supporting it. It's it's overwhelming. 
Let me say, uh, stop just a moment here and say that if you want to, if you have a question or a comment for Christos, you can give us a call here. The number is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S. or Blog Talk Radio assures me that it is. And if you're in those situations, Christos, we've all been here pretty much, uh, where you've got a question or comment, but you're in a place where you can't make a phone call. Uh, I know I had to hide under a desk one time to try to win tickets to a Todd Rundgren concert from a radio. I know what that's like. But you can always, but now, <laughs> now you can just send a message on Facebook either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry, and I'll make sure it gets to him. And so right now, I have a few messages from some new sponsors, and I'm going to and we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. <sighs> Ugh, what a day. I just need some me time for once. Yes, perfect. I got the new bath bombs today. Peach and clove, here we come. Mim and the Anvil makes the best smelling herbal blends of bath bombs. You can order loose or ground herb, added buttermilk, extra large, even ones with hidden gifts inside. There are over 25 essential oil varieties. After today, my body definitely needs some spiritual nourishment and lots of fizz. Her metaphysical blends are soothing in more ways than one. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. Make time for yourself. There are over 100 herbal blends of bath bombs. Keep a healthy body and mind. Feed your soul. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. If you don't make time for yourself, no one else will. There's no doubt everyone loves true crime podcasts these days. And there's a new podcast that you will want to add to your playlist. Murder Mondays. Host Nicole Simmons travels and interviews victims and families of murderers in South Carolina. She's a small-town girl who's a wife and business owner, and Murder Mondays is a passion project for her. She brings you the facts and personal stories of the people affected by the most heinous crimes in South Carolina. If you enjoy true crime podcast, Murder Mondays is for you. Murder Mondays with your host, Nicole Simmons, available on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and other podcast players. Add Murder Mondays with Nicole Simmons to your playlist right now so chuck talk to us about fizdale being the knicks new coach what's your uh thoughts on that well well i'll I tell you right now ernie it don't matter who gonna coach this team they don't got no talent on it and i don't i don't really feel i talk that's kind of harsh i don't feel i talk about the knicks right Do now talk about lunch no <laughs> what would you like to talk about chuck see ernie i've been listening to a podcast called madam Paris salon and I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rasta, all the comedians. What about people we that could, don't have rings? Here we go. Again. I got Real funny. Ah, Real funny. Ah, but I think she's great, and I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make The laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. Well, sometimes not terrible is the greatest I can hope for, or maybe greatest many of us can hope for. Another podcast I want to tell you about is called Minding My Business. Now, the host, Abby, um, 
he he interviews some fascinating people. His description says talking about different aspects of life, talking to different people from different professions all around the world, but keeping things light and wonderful. And I'll tell you, I've read, I've listened to several of these, but let me just read the headlines or rather the uh, the titles or topics. Um, in one. He's talking to Imaging Tagney about self-care, motivation, and yoga. And then, and just the week before that, he's talking about propaganda hypnotism by governments. Um, He's in conversation with Brian Halliday, which is fascinating. And, um, well, I'm not going to tell you more about that because then I'm going to wonder if they're hypnotizing me. And what else has he got here? Uh, Chernobyl 1986 nuclear disaster. Um, another one about how to make money from Facebook. It's in con- conversation with Daisha Wadup. Uh, to tell you all about how to make money off Facebook. I think I better go listen to that one again. Also a conversation with Anna Schmidt about the cultural shift from England to China. Uh, She moved from England to China to set up her business during the pandemic of all times. So, yeah. And, uh, oh, of course, the art of talking to strangers uh, in conversation with author Jackie Rom. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's difficult for sometimes for adults to talk to strangers. I always say just treat people the way you want to be treated and you can go into the conversation. But I think with the pandemic, maybe we're getting out of... uh, Maybe we're getting out of practice dealing with real people in real life. So just check it out. And it's called Minding My Business with Avi. And, of course, I will be sharing the links to this podcast along with all of my other sponsors on all of my social media, not just from Madam Perry Salon, but also on my Jennifer Perry social media. So uh, since a lot of my guests listen to the show, they say when they're jogging, or driving to and from work or somewhere. That way you don't have to write it down. I'll make sure you get the information you need. Now let's get back with, I don't know, the author of Wild Dogs, an Adventure in Adolescence, Christos Caligari. Uh, Caligari, excuse me, Caligari. Uh, I think I like Caligari better. Do you? The allegory of Caligari. Uh, let's so. switch it up, you know, keep it fresh. Yeah, people will never know. <laughs> keep everybody on, keep everybody a little on the edge. So, wild dogs. Well, is that an allegory? I'm not sure. Uh, to rhyme with allegory. So, wild dogs and adventure and adolescence. Now, I know people call kids wild beasts, wild animals, um, little monsters. You think you guys were really deserving of the term of being called wild dogs? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Step up and say it. Be proud. Um, well, but you got to own it. When you say though that you, if you could go back, you wouldn't change. You wouldn't change anything. Um, I think to me that means that there's you found a lot of value in those experiences, and and I certainly do. And I think your all the reviews I've read seem to find value. Where else do we learn but from experience? Correct. What about any situations where, where – was there anything where you were absolutely terrified? Uh, when I was waiting to get the results back for, for what had happened in my, you know, expulsion meeting, if you'll call that, that was very – that was frightening and scary and um, just the unknown. I'm somebody – I think when I get older, I like to 
could be in control. That means I don't, that, that not meaning I want to, I like to control situations, but I like to know, okay, I'm going to go to the gym at this time. I'm going to eat at this time. I like to have a routine. I like to be in control of what's going to happen. Um, but a lot of times we face things in life where they're out of our control. And this was one of those situations. So for frightening in a short answer, yeah, I would say any time when I was waiting on what a punishment would be, especially the time of the, when the punishment was as severe as it could be. That was that was what was frightening. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a message from Mario Lennon, and he is in – oh, he's in Liverpool, U.K., and he's saying, great show, Madam Perry. Uh, this book sounds spot on. Okay, thank you, Mario. I appreciate that. That's awesome, um, yeah. And let's see. I've got one more over here. Okay, this – is from uh okay this is from milt and he's in vermont he said uh, definitely since when he mentioned rob reiner i was already thinking that this book would make a great movie uh does he have any plans for a film i do and uh can't say much now uh but there's definitely been some talks which is exciting and I mean, it just comes down to wanting to do it my way. And uh, there's people that I went to school with that I find quite humorous that helped influence my character and, and probably a lot of my writing skill as well. And I just want to be able to, to have them involved. It does not mean final say, but I need to have some um, type of creative control um, to get it to the big screen. And absolutely, that's next on the list. And uh, I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm willing to put the time in and, and just want to go with the right team to, to pre- present it to the right way. You know, do you? I think that's a little bit more doable today than it was, you know, decades past. It was this way or no way. You know, somebody would say it's my way or the yeah. highway, but um, I think there seems to be more. Well, you know, don't forget, Atlanta's a big place for movies. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, really? It's one of the top three towns for uh, filmmaking in the U.S. Um, and oh, then wow. Thailand. Yeah, and then you ought to go down to Tyler Perry. I mean, yeah, we've got stuff going on all the time. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, Stargirl, uh, Black Lightning, uh, well, a lot of TV shows as well as films, and um, Tyler Perry Studios. And Very let me cool. tell you, that, that, cool. that place is a city in itself. I've worked there several times. Now, when you drive in um, – even the security, you know, they're very, very nice, but you go there, and he's starting to add in a, he's uh, going to bring in a big Publix grocery store and all kind of stuff, so you can just about live there if you work there and never have to go anywhere else. But, yeah, we've got a lot going on down here. Um, oh, a Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot. Um, so don't don't count us out. No, never. I wouldn't. I, I, you know, that's the thing, though, too. There's no counting anybody out. I think anybody that wants to take a chance on me is worth listening to. Um, I'm a firm believer to stick to what I know and to delegate what I don't. And I certainly don't. I, well, I didn't know anything about books before I wrote one. Uh, I don't know anything about movies, but I'd love to take a stab at it. And I'm someone that uh, will put the work in um, regardless of what the task is. And I don't think that this is uh, this would be any different. It would just be a, a learning experience, and, and that's how you learn is to, to get in the mud and 
and I, I am excited to do it. I know what's going to happen. We just don't know who we're going to do it with yet. So options opened. Okay. Axel in San Diego says, um, and I know the pandemic has made this kind of thing tough, but um, have you or do you plan to be um, going out on the road at all with your books or doing reading in bookstores? I would love to. I mean, that's something that um, the, the media team that's uh, taken me on is something that we're going to have to discuss. Um, so far, I haven't. I haven't done anything uh, anything in person. I would love to, and and really spread the message for the foundation, and and just to spread the the you know the book of lessons that I wrote. And absolutely, I'd love I'd love to. There's nothing planned yet, but doesn't mean I wouldn't. Well, let's well, we got a moment. Let's go ahead and talk about the foundation too. So uh, Mandy Schwartz went to school. Um, she was always one year below me, and. When you have a student that comes to Notre Dame, what they want is for the student to excel academically with sports as a character, as a person, which is what Mandy had become. After she had graduated, she went on to Yale University. And two years into Yale, she was getting fatigued and they didn't really know why. They thought that she had anemia, which is like a, can be like a, a sleeping disorder. And they got her tested and found out that she had leukemia. And I won't get into too much detail about um, how that all works because I'm certainly not an expert. But if people can, when they get my book, if they can follow the links and and get uh, more informed, there's ways to get involved by swabbing your cheek, getting into the system. You can be a bone marrow match for anybody out there in the world. There's people that need matches every day. And it's just something that really hit me because – um, you know, Mandy wasn't somebody that I was friends with, but we both went to the school at the same time when there was only, you know, 300 and some kids. So everybody knew each other. And when mm-hmm. you are top of the same people, you eat the same food, you, you breathe the same air. It certainly affected me and a lot of other people that I know um, when they saw uh, Mandy going through these struggles and how she dealt with them. And it's um, something that I think more people should know about. Her story is um, has and will continue to save a lot of lives. Okay, and just for everyone, um, the website is Mandy, M-A-N-D-I, 17.org, and that's the number one, the number seven, or Mandy17.org. And there's also a page on uh, Twitter, um, or excuse me, is that Tumblr, Facebook, uh, Instagram? I never can yeah, tell the Tumblr. Yeah, if they just Google Mandy's, if they just yeah. Google, if anybody Googles Mandy Schwartz, you'll, there will be a, quite a bit of content and it's uh, easily navigated to where you need to go. And I appreciate uh, everybody in advance for, for checking that out. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great organization. And I, from what I've seen and what I believe from you, this is an organization where you feel like you'll know where the mo- money's going. Uh, yes, uh, for sure. I'm actually, uh, her fa- Maddie's family is um, uh, some people that I'm quite close with. And um, a lot of the, the funds, um, be it towards her bursary or the foundation at, at Yale uh, goes to help um, people get educations and, and put them through um, a good system that have a sporting skill and, and some that don't. And it's, um, yeah, it's something that I really believe in and there's a, there's a lot to cover there. So again, I'd love for people just to, to click on those websites and, and see how they can get involved. Okay, yeah, and so and they also what Yale hosts the annual Mandy Schwartz Marrow Donor Registration Drive uh, in the spring, and uh, so many people, uh, 
so many people are involved and support this organization, but they still need more because you, you can't give enough to help people. You can, with, and this is what's really unique about this foundation is we're not asking people for money. We're asking you if you're between the ages of 25 and 35, you can get in, into the system and possibly be a match for somebody. There's been over 40 people that are alive today just from Mandy's efforts. That's not oh. swabbing in general. That's just Mandy's efforts. It's over 40 people. And oh. some of these people have met, they've become friends. It's just the most incredible thing to witness it's incredibly rewarding and I, I hope out of this that um, there'll be two strangers out there that um, get connected um, in some way all right fantastic and there's also uh, um, well I'll be sharing I'll, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll be putting this out on all of my social media so you'll know what's going on thank you so with, much I, well, we yes. really appreciate that oh it's a pleasure at the Mandy Schwartz Foundation and Oh yeah, definitely. That's so. That's a good place to put your money these days. If you're wondering what can I do, and you know it's going to really do what you intended. Thank you, and thank you yeah. so much for all that you do to uh, to put your efforts toward toward the book. You don't just talk about it. You don't just do a little bit. You give a lot, don't you? Yeah, it's it's just was this this story in this book when this project was never about money. Uh, it was about spreading this message and, you know, even if, you know, a lot of people I know, they, there's people that have their handouts and they want you to donate and there, there's many uh, foundations out there and they're deserving. You buy this book, all of the proceeds go to the foundation, you get a good laugh and we get um, the proceeds to help further all this stuff and then you can get involved with uh, matching if it permits. So it's, it, it works on many angles and it's, it's just, it's really exciting stuff. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Crystals, what do you have coming up next? Um, you say you're, not, you're not on a tour, but how about some virtual um, book readings for us so people can get a little bit of the live work with people? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything and anywhere. It's just, uh, I got my, a good media team that's guiding me. I, I think that they, uh, they're smart enough to not tell me too much at one time so I don't get overwhelmed. <laughs> Uh, as this is, and they're just great. Uh, everybody at, at TGC, they're just awesome. And yeah, I just taking it as it comes and, and trying to um, do the best with what's in front of me. And I had uh, just an absolute blast today. And I want to say a thank you to you and the, to all the viewers that are, you know, taking the time to hear me ramble on here. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yes, I am. Uh, like I say, my listeners are, I, I, I'm the, probably the uh, the most blessed, the luckiest podcaster in the world because my listeners are just uh, a variety of fascinating people, but they have a quite a uh, quite a variety of, of interests themselves, and they also bring – usually by the time the guest comes on, they know more than uh, probably anybody that's ever interviewed them. So uh, I, I'm lucky there. Uh, thank you so much. We wish you much continued success with your book, and – Wild Dogs and Adventure and Adolescent, I can tell it's, I can tell your success is only going to grow. Uh, look forward Thank to you. whatever you do, Netflix series, film, I don't know, but I think it's going to be fantastic. And um, any last words to the people there? Just thank you guys so much and keep living and, and keep laughing. All right. That's, that's the best. And as I always say, be good to yourself, be good to each other, 
and uh, or my mantra, everybody's got to swing. Thank you so much. And this is Madam Perry signing off. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.